0: This week's episode of Lost in His Own Museum is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o co. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. This the museum episode 10 can you believe we've made it I, I can't believe we've made it this is this is awesome it's like, actually really amazing isn't it It's really cool to be on episode 10 so we watched uh indiana jones and the last crusade before this one we've got a bit of an action packed one today because we did we uh we put out and q a Q&A on some social media and got quite a lot i think we've got like 10 maybe 12 questions to get through plus um i'm doing a little
1: a little movie quiz for JT later on. He's getting me back for last time when I just completely put him on the spot and went, right, we haven't got a QA and a this week, so I'm going to give you a Q&A. Yeah. And uh, I think, you, did you go 10 for 20? Oh, I think I went 10 for 20. So that's yeah. that's my score to beat.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a tough one, so I'll apologise in advance because I think uh, I think you are going to struggle a bit with some of these. <laughs> you and <we've>, uh, bastard! <laughs> bastard! We've also got, um, there's going to be a bonus question at the end, which you can answer at home, but please don't Google it. Um
1: And give us a shout on social media um, and let us know what you think the answer is. I I got half of it right. My girlfriend, who doesn't even like the film that it's from, miraculously knew it all. So should we we do that now just to get it out? Yeah, let's Uh, do it now. Okay, so uh, the bonus
0: question for the Q&A. The character of Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is seen throughout the film wearing a jersey from which NHL hockey team? Bonus point if you get the player on the back. So please don't Google it. Give us a shout on social media um, and let us know what you think the answer is. So this week we watched Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade.
1: We did indeed. It is my favourite film, film of all time. There, there is not a film I think is better than this film. It's awesome.
0: It's just amazing. I mean, it like, even in the in the Indiana Jones trilogy, I I love all of them, with the possible exception of Temple of Doom. But you know, like I I'm gonna get I'm gonna get chased down by
1: some indie fans here, but I think it's better than Raiders. I, I agree that it's better than Raiders. I think it takes everything that was fantastic in Raiders and builds upon it, In you know, just it uses the foundation blocks, the building blocks, and just takes it to the next level. I've come round on Temple in the last few years, and don't get me wrong, I've always liked it, much like yourself, but it was always my, my least favourite, even after, and you can put some booze in in post here, Phil, <laughs> even after Crystal Skull came out, I still would rank Temple last.
0: I'd, yeah, I think I would. I, you know, C- Crystal Skull was okay until sort of towards the end where it starts to get really silly. Act, the like, third
1: act of Crystal Skull is utter wank. We'll put that out there. <laughs> um It, it re- really is just... The, but I think that the, the first two acts of Crystal Skull feel more like an Indiana Jones adventure than, say, Temple does. But obviously Temple's a stronger film. So I yeah. suppose we're, we're speaking subjectively here, aren't we, rather than objectively. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're looking yeah. at it objectively, they, they're probably they they go down in quality with each film that came out afterwards.
0: Yeah, I would say Temple's probably t- like technically like a stronger film
1: on the whole. You know, in terms of everything including the third act. Yeah, it's an in- interesting one. I mean, George Lucas even said cuz I've seen Spielberg's the the director and the sort of visionary behind it, but Lucas is the story idea, isn't he? Yeah. And he, even he said at the time that he was going through a divorce, he was suffering from uh you know mental ill health and depression and that really Informed the story that he was writing at the time. It wasn't a uh, as much of a happy go lucky adventure as say um, you know Raiders is, and obviously even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and obviously Last Crusade that we're going to talk about uh, in a minute as well. And I think it's really sort of interesting how life can imitate art, and art can imitate life. And but I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with number five as well. That's coming out because obviously that's coming out next year. Yeah, I'm quite excited for that. I I am. I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I wasn't at first because I was sort of like. They announced it to come out in, like, summer of 2019. And I'm like, right, okay, he's just done Force Awakens, and he, and he was all right in that as a supporting character, was Harrison Ford. And obviously he's done Call of the Wild as well, and whilst the film itself isn't up to much, he's okay in it. Yeah. Um. It, so I was thinking, well, if they tone down the action a bit and some clever stunt doubles, and, you know, maybe if they get a, a better younger lead than Shia LaBeouf, Mutt Williams sort of character or whatever, you know, they, they can bring... Some other young, you know, male, female, whoever, in to to do the brunt of the heavy lifting, if you like, and Indy can be there as the mind. Then I thought, well, maybe this can work. And then he's obviously, bless him, Harrison Ford. He's eighty next summer yeah. when that film comes out, and it's like, I mean, obviously, I know, I know that it doesn't stop people from acting. You don't get to seventy or eighty, and all of a sudden that's it. You you can't do it anymore. I mean, but it's like Indiana Jones is an action star, so I, I, I was I was sort of like, I don't know that they should do this. And like I said, this franchise, along with James Bond, is probably my favourite of all time.
0: I think this movie might end up being a little bit more sort of cerebral, yeah, and a bit more kind of a bit more dialogue based and, and kind of um, a, a more slow and steady story. I might be wrong, but I, I think to have Harrison Ford at that age in the movie, it's going to have to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: inclined to agree with you, and I, and I don't think that it's a happy coincidence that they've brought in Logan's director James Mangold to see this adventure through.
0: Yeah, it's going to be more like I, that. Isn't it? I, I think it's and... going to
1: be, be a Logan-style story. I, I think, and, and, and I hope, that it'll be more in keeping again with Crystal, Raiders, and Crusade. I, d- I don't think they're going to go too dark and gritty, i.e. Temple, or even some of the adventures, maybe like the, the Young Indie Chronicles or whatever, stuff that doesn't feel quite as indie. Um, but... I've sort of read, because I don't know why I did this, but when you know, you end up down a deep, dark hole on Reddit. (laughs) um, And somebody. (laughs) Down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole we went. Three pages deep, as Laura likes to call it. That's that's sort of what it gets referred to as in our house. (laughs) Three sheets to the wind. (laughs) I say, I'm positively merry. (laughs) It's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and I'm three sheets to the wind. (laughs) <laughs> I've just got my gyro through, old boy. <laughs> Huzzah to the local spoons. <laughs> to bargain booze, tally ho! Ah, yes, quick sharp. <laughs> right, anyway, um, we can't use any of
0: this. Oh, <laughs> we we are, are going We might not use it for the podcast, but we will use it for something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I was down the deep dark rabbit hole last night on Reddit, and. One of the things that I read from somebody, you know, and it's always one of these a trusted source close to the film. Yeah. Um, but they, they were the ones that called out that Phoebe Waller Bridge and Mads Mickelson were going to join the cast and Boyd Holbrook as well before it got announced, so that there's some credibility there. Yeah, a- um, but yes, yeah, so I read this, and the, the supposedly the story's about the space race, and supposedly Mads Mickelson is going to be Marion's long lost half brother. Because Abner Ravenwood, Marion's dad, who we'll, we'll come back to in, in a minute when we sort of talk certain plot points of Last Crusade, which we will get to. I know we're about three hours in at this point, but we, <laughs> w- we will get to it. Um, but yeah, supposedly when Abner Ravenwood was off on his adventures, as, as he's obviously the inspiration in canon for, for Indy. Uh, you know, Indy sort of modelled after Abner Ravenwood. Um, he's had this this affair and has had this this child with a German lady who's grown up to be a Nazi and then after the war sought sanctuary in America and ends up working for NASA during the space race. And then apparently the MacGuffin is going to be some sort of like, I don't know, ancient piece of crap or whatever that has unlimited power and NASA want to harness it for the power of the rockets. Right. And so it's sort of going to be like this whole Russian versus... American sort of Cold War flavoured again, but with the Nazis back because we've got your man, uh, Mads Mickelson, as a retired Nazi, but it's also a close family thing because he's going to turn up and he's sort of related to Indy. And then apparently Phoebe Waller Bridge's character is going to be Mads Mickelson's daughter, but she's a complete good guy and he's like estranged from him and is close with Marion. Apparently, Salah's coming back okay. and apparently the The film is going to close out with Indy passing the torch, not necessarily to make more films, but in story passing the torch to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, as and she's going to take over his job at the museum and teach his class at the Marshall University, and then uh, Marion and Indy India, literally sort of going to be you know sort of ride off into the sunset, sort of an ending. Indy's going to retire. Okay. Um. Yeah. If I'm we get something like that, I'm sold.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I- I think that would be
1: uh, but uh, That would
0: close out the would close out the series quite nicely I think.
1: Yeah, it would I mean George Lucas always said when he came up with the story of Indiana Jones and Lucas is not actually involved in this one I don't think unless he's going to get like a creative consultant sort of credit or something. But I don't think he's actively involved in the writing of, but he always said that he saw Indy as a five story arc. Yeah. And uh, so I, th- I think it would be, be quite nice to to sort of see it realized, but but yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm cautious, I'm hopeful. I am excited. It means a lot to me, does Indiana Jones as, as of to you know and we'll we'll talk about on this episode. Um so I I just want him to do it well.
0: Yeah, same, yeah. yeah just, it's just it's it's such an it's just an iconic franchise. And it you know, it was it was Harrison Ford's kind of next big thing after Star Wars and it just
1: I would say yeah. arguably he's more known as Indy than he is for Han Solo. Yeah, he's for Han Solo do you think? I, I think yeah. I think Indiana Jones is a more accessible character. Yeah, that makes sense. I do. I think I think the films are more accessible as well. Because obviously Star Wars as much as me and you are diehard nuts of it and cannot get enough of the stuff. I think you've really gotta like sci fi. Yeah, I think so. To watch them and there's you know, there's quite a lot of sort of things that, you know, aren't the norm in day to day life that are in Star Wars, you know, talking robots and aliens and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I know Indy did aliens, but look how well that went down. Yeah. But Indy's <laughs> in Indy's based on, you know, Sort of the Crusades. It's based on you know the history of the Bible, um, and it and it's just a lot more accessible because it's it's beliefs and it's things practiced in the real world, and you know that there could have been somebody like you know the Will of Pin Adventure is like that, and he's a teacher, and yeah, so I I, I would say Harrison Ford's more more sort of recognised and sort of appreciated as indie than he is say Han Solo. Yeah, that's a fair point. The internet may yeah. come and hunt me down for that stuff. <laughs> but... ah, we'll, see. we'll see what happens. <laughs> he has more fun. He definitely has more fun playing Indiana Jones. You can yeah. see it. We'll put a poll out on Twitter and see what we got back. <laughs> That's, do you know what? That's a really good shout. We'll, yeah. put, we'll put a poll out. So, Last Crusade, you might have sort of gathered from the way we're just chatting now. We, we're going to do this a little bit differently because it's our 10th episode spectacular. We are going to do a plot recap, but we're not going to sort of go into, um, you know, sort of, detailed synopsis sort of level. Uh, we're just sort of going to talk about, you know, bits that we enjoy from the film and work our way from beginning to end of the film.
0: Because if you listen to this podcast, you you will have seen The Last Crusade. So, or at least I hope you have. If not, maybe go and watch it and then come back and have a listen. If you haven't seen it, the yeah. pilgrims in
1: an unholy land.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first of all, I mean, the opening scenes with River Phoenix, I just... I absolutely adore that. I think
1: it's a great bit of backstory. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It, it? it tells you everything you need to know about the character in about fifteen minutes, and it's done expertly. It is, and even like even bits of
0: like of really sort of expositional Easter egg explaining this bit backstory, it still works. You know, like because it's it it could be construed as being really cheesy if it had been done now, but things like the the whip with the lion where he's he, he catches himself on the chin and it's the. It's, it's the, the scar, scar, yeah. Harrison Ford's iconic sort of chin scar, um, and then you've got you know the bit where he falls in the snake pit and it explains why he's terrified of snakes. Yeah, even though at the beginning he, it's, it's just a snake, you know. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's even stuff like that. It it stuff that would be really cheesy today. It really works. Um, and River Phoenix was just the perfect choice.
1: He he really was, wasn't he? He'd worked with Harrison Ford on Mosquito Coast, which I think mm. is, it, is it Peter Weir, Alan Weir somebody weird like um, had, had made the film and, and Harrison Ford reckons it's his best film I we, didn't get on with it we, we did not get on with it at all we did Harrison Ford movie marathon a couple of years ago and yeah that was sort of like one of the ones that was the absolute dregs of the pile wasn't yeah, it when was, I put it on thinking Harrison Ford's raving about this film it's the best piece of work I've ever done and the story and the acting and he, you know, he, he goes on about it in interviews if you read and it's like
0: I don't know if it was technically that bad it was just hard to sit through I like thought it was dire it's just awkward, you know, because Harrison Ford's such a... Like, his character and it is so annoying. And just inf- he's got this infuriating character who's such a dick. And you're just like... I, I find it quite... I just found it really jarring, like, really by, difficult
1: to sit through, you know. By the end of that film, if I'd gone on the journey that the characters had gone on with Harrison Ford in the end of that film, by the time he's got to the end and he's broken his back and they're in the boat rowing away and he's asking his wife, are we... Are we going back to the you know to the, the town I built? And she's going, Yes, dear, but they're not, they're going back to civil
0: I'd have fed the crocodiles. I, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, he, him in the river. <laughs> He fell off the wood of crocodile. What can I do? I mean, I wasn't gonna jump in afterwards. I've got my kids to look after, honestly, oh, officer. Man. Um <laughs> you know, it's such a shame. How will we ever cope? Yeah. Um, but yeah, working with River Phoenix on that film was was the sort of the catalyst for him joining the, the last crusade team as, as young yeah, Indy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of a sort of the, the um, Tarantino in in Kingsman Two story with Alan John. You know, it was like that. Yeah, like, this is this is the guy. You know what I mean? Like if, if somebody's gonna play Indi- like young Indiana Jones, this is it. Um, and he's it, just he's amazing. He was so. It is such a, he's such a physical actor, and he he gets the mannerisms just right. You know, he's like, he's clearly been a fan of the
1: first two films, and he's um, he's studied it, hasn't he? You can yeah, tell. Yeah. It's like the bit where he's sort of like. He, he gets the cross of Coronado, which belongs in the museum, by the way, Phil. Yep. Um, and he you said he, it. He said it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, he said it. <laughs> uh, where's Ruben when we need him? Um, but, um, yeah, he, you know, he's a, he jumps out and he and he jumps, you know, into the sort of the canyon, sort of ready to go and get his horse. And he's, Mr. Havelock, anybody. Everybody's lost but me. And it's yeah, it that, like? that everybody's lost but me it's line. perfect. It's it's put, it's it's not an imitation, but it's like he is the same character, twenty years younger, and then obviously the 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 chain uh the chain the train chase,
0: the train chase is brilliant. The train
1: chase is fantastic. The the music from John Williams. We don't often talk about the score in much detail, which is odd for two musicians. It
0: is, but John Williams is just. I mean, because I I love the music from Indiana Jones anyway. It's one of my favorite scores in general by John Williams. I mean, I love Star Wars and I love Jurassic Park, and you know. And E.T. and all those, but this one really, for me, is is the kind of, with the possible exception of Jurassic Park, I think it's probably my favourite. The
1: music from this film in particular yeah. is my favourite of any uh, John Williams work. The
0: the Nazi theme is awesome. Yeah,
1: the Nazi theme's great. The yeah. Grail um, theme and the the Henry Jones Senior theme Um you know, it, it's just it's, it's excellent, and then the Raiders march, obviously fantastic, and has been in both the the previous films as well, and it carries over expertly here. And then the the like the 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 motifs that are used in the train uh, chase at the beginning, and then they're carried out throughout the rest of the film, aren't they? Yeah, it's
0: sort of like put in different keys and moved around a bit, and like yeah, it's it's incredible. John Williams is yeah, he's not my favourite film composer. That's the thing. I mean, I'm a huge fan of James Horner. Um, I think the stuff that he does is is it's sublime and incredible but like John Williams is is the film composer you know what I mean he's I know what the, you mean
1: yeah because my favourite film composer is Michael Kamen yeah exactly he's um, one of those but, uh, but there is no denying that John Williams is the master of his craft again they, they announced that you know, 90 years old he's coming back to score Indy 5 yeah. and I, I punched the air I was like yes <laughs> yeah. you know because it's like even though there are plenty of able composers out there it has to be John Williams it just has to be doesn't yeah. it there's even this there's a lot of a lot of able composers that are kind of, um,
0: that have been sort of faithful students of John Williams' work, and you can tell, you know, like um, even even down to stuff that that Danny Elfman does. You, there's, there's a lot of like. Uh, there's a lot of a, a kind of John Williams flavor and a lot of that. The more
1: serious. Oh, yeah, there, that he does, there, there really is. Yeah, it is. He's influenced so many other composers. I'm like, going to say, yeah, his influence turns up everywhere. Yeah. But obviously, Indy gets through the the train fight, and again, we like I say you find out where the scar comes from. You find out his fear of snakes, his use of a whip, um, and you see him using his sort of his cunning, his wit, his intelligence as he outsmarts the the, the grave robbers. And then at the end of the scene, he runs home, and we straight away get the flavour of he's got a really strained relationship with his dad. He tries to tell his dad he's found the cross, and you know Connery's voiceover comes over. Count not, to ten, not, ten, in in, Greek. Yeah, <laughs> ten in Greek, um, yeah, count to ten in Greek. And then the sheriff turns up and sides with the bad guys, and um, the the man from Del Monte turns up and and takes the the you know Coronado's cross away. Um, and it's at that point that we're introduced to a guy. Um, who is, I think he I can't remember whether he goes uncredited or whether he just like gets credited as like John or something in the in the credits. But in the early drafts of the script, he was Abner Ravenwood. Yeah. I, um, which is obviously Marion's dad, and he gets talked about in in Raiders, and again, obviously later on in Crystal Skull, and they decided that that was one bit of exposition too far. Yeah, I suppose so, it would have been. So they like they, they got rid of that, but obviously that character and that interaction. Is is really sort of like the the final bit of the catalyst for making yeah. indie become indie, and it's like I love the scene as well where he puts the hat on River Phoenix's head, and River Phoenix sort of bows down to accept the hat and, and then, then they do the switch. And then yeah, yeah. when he when he comes back up, it's Harrison Ford, and we carry on that same story. Yeah, that's uh, a great scene as well. Like yeah, the second time I've had to recover my property from you.
0: <laughs> so what what do you think is what's your favorite scene in this movie? Do you think?
1: Um, it's the last scene.
0: Do you reckon when they've gone off into the centre? Yeah. yeah.
1: It's without. I'm not even ashamed to say this. Without any sort of uh, hesitation, it just makes me cry. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, it just. I, I'm not
0: surprised. It's it is one of them. Yeah. I think it made me cry a little bit yesterday when I watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit to saying it. It's
1: it's it's just just fantastic. I think it's the the perfect movie. I I love the catacombs. Um and uh, you know he's lecturing in his classroom, you know, to his guys. If you want truth, the philosophy class is down the hall. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there there is no buried treasure. And there Lex is never ever
0: marks the spot. Exactly
1: yeah. that, yeah. And then you know they're in the, you know, I believe I found the source of the Roman numerals, Indy. And this, what have we found? Three, three, seven, seven, ten. Ten. Everybody look around for the ten.
0: <laughs> and then He climbed it. It didn't. He it didn't need to climb the staircase as well, but I, I like I quite, I quite like that bit of dramatic effect. Yeah, it's like I, I, I can see the I can see the big X on the floor, but I must see it from above. Yeah, to make sure that it is actually a big X, and it's not some kind of weird optical illusion or something. Yeah, like and that scene as well with the stamp.
1: Yeah, I, I just I know it's like a little. Just a little bit of, of softness and comedy, isn't but... it? Yeah, but they do lean into the comedy a bit more in this one, don't they? Yeah, like Raiders is a lot more serious, isn't it? That there are silly moments in it, um, but like even stuff with the where the monkey dies, and it's like bad dates. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it's 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 meant to be played off as a as a bittersweet scene, but it comes across really sinister. It and comes across quite dark, doesn't it? Like yeah. yeah, and like you know, when he thinks Marion's dead and he's about to kill Ballock in the cafe, and then all the geist, it's a much darker film, isn't it? And yeah, uh, Marion, don't don't open your eyes, you know, um, and the, the even the top men bit and yeah, the... it is quite. It's a, it's a little bit more sinister than than Crusade.
0: I mean, this one of the reasons why I like Crusade. I would say more than Raiders is because it balances it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got it's got a nice balance of everything, and it's uh, there's a lot of really of really cool heartfelt moments in it. I, I love Marcus Brody, yeah, as a character, I think he's brilliant.
1: A, um, a lot of people say that, I mean, and I agree with it, um, or I, I agree with the some of the statements that they're making that he's a lot more clownish and buffoonish in this than he is in in Raiders. Well, he, I mean, he's hardly in Raiders, really. He's an exposition character at the beginning, and at the end, but he doesn't come along for the journey. But when he's when he's on the journey in this one, he's obviously completely inept and they really dial it up to 11, don't they? Does yeah. anybody here speak English? Especially with the
0: contrast of the kind of, uh, like, again, this is where, where the name of our podcast comes from, with the, the contrast of him saying he'll blend in, disappear, you'll never see him again. With any luck, he's got the grill already and then it's like straight to this shot of like, of, like what? No, thank you. No, no, fish make love in it. Like, yeah, that's, and he's, he's just... Uh, but what the thing I love about Marcus Brody is that he's... Is such a so because we're kind of used to this this thing in films now where you just don't trust any of the characters because everybody's like, you know, with a film like that, people are going to be screwing each other over. Yeah, but, and
1: everyone's got their own motive. Yeah,
0: whereas Brody has this really pure motive, and he wouldn't even think to
1: stab him. No, he, in the he's back. essentially in all but blood in his uncle, isn't he?
0: Yeah, like stabbing him in the back wouldn't even occur to him. Like, no, and I, I like that because it's like it's nice to have that 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 grounded. Kind of ally character that you know you can trust because
1: we're because yeah, we're on the journey for rescuing Indy's dad played by Sean Connery, uh, which is really the the heart of this story, but we we don't really know until we meet up with Sean Connery whether or not he's defected and gone to the Nazis because we because yeah. you know going into it that there's got to be a Nazi traitor somewhere but you don't know is it Elsa is it Donovan. Is it is it you know, is it dad Connery? Yeah. Um and, and obviously like, you'd, like you like say Marcus is that only person, isn't it, besides Indy that you know right, he's definitely Yeah, he's definitely on the side, he's like definitely he's on the level.
0: On. And then I think it's it's like it's really nice when you find out later on that him and Indy's dad went to college together. Yeah, because um, I mean that. Well, like they don't explicitly say it, but you know the the whole.
1: There's a few throwaway lines, isn't there? It's like you know, I think he says, "I you know I've I watched you grow up together, uh, and I watched you grow apart." You know, and yeah. so there's so there's that. And um, the, there's the whole bit in the
0: tank where they meet up with each yeah. other again, and they do the weird. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, but, <laughs> but it's like a, it's... a greeting
1: and almost like a secret handshake sort yeah. of thing. It's,
0: it's a it's a British university thing, you know. It's like it's it's what Oxford graduates do when they were in the same secret society together yeah. you know like them um, yeah they're all in the same boating club or something like that yeah you know, like it's one of those um and i just i, I love that, and i love that scene as well because you know when, he, when when connery gets the guy with the pen yeah and brody even though they're in the mo- like this this extremely dangerous situation he just can't help himself with like yeah. like throw away literary references like don't you see the pen is mightier than the sword yeah. and he's, such, he's an
1: excitable child which yeah. i think is like and he's like Henry what are you doing and then yeah. Connery, Connery who's been disgusted by all the violence thus far he's <laughs> getting, it it's war old boy <laughs> but one of the things I really like about it is that, is that
0: um, in, in a lot of other films you know you, archaeologists and historians are seen, is, are seen as quite sort of dour yeah. and quite um quite grumpy and miserable and and lost like, you know things. <laughs> and in this one it's just like they're they're, they're what archaeologists really are like yeah. which is excitable and, and you know they're obsessed with the same stuff now that they were when they were kids
1: yeah absolutely that's this why they've got into it I think the, do you know what the the four main heroes um, are obviously Indy Henry Marcus and then obviously Salah comes in sort of towards the end of the second act yeah the chemistry is impeccable. It's
0: fantastic, isn't it? it, is, it, it is
1: really it's good. just absolutely top-notch stuff. And I think, that, like I say, it just takes everything that worked about Raiders and and Temple as well, to be fair, uh, and just, just builds upon it. And Sean Connery is a fantastic addition. Do you know the reason they cast Connery to play um, Indy's dad? Yeah. It was because Indiana Jones was the... So when, when Star Wars came out in 77, George Lucas was so convinced that it was going to flop, that he didn't attend the premiere Yeah, and, and booked to go on a, a Caribbean holiday him with Steven St- Spielberg. St- yeah,
0: him and Spielberg went to Hawaii. Yeah. It, yeah, and, so, um, and, wrote, and wrote the Hawaii, yeah.
1: so they wrote the treatment, and Spielberg's idea was, I want to make an action hero that's the next James Bond and Lucas's contribution was I want to make the adventure serials that we grew up watching in the the 40s and the you know uh, and the 50s sort of thing. Yeah. So when you combine those two ideas together you get, you, you get Indiana Jones. And like you know obviously the 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 pre-title sequence the anything goes sequence in Temple is straight out of a Bond movie. It is a Bond pre-title sequence hell. Indy's even dressed up in the goldfinger you know white tux. Yeah um from the title sequence. And so when they when they knew that it was going to be a father son story and a sort of a you know, an estranged relationship reconciliation, the only person that they ever had in mind to play him was Sean Connery because they're like, well, James Bond is you know, from a from a writing standpoint, the father of Indiana Jones, the, the you know, the inspiration. Yeah. So James Bond needs to be the It was the perfect choice. Yeah. And there we are folks, we've gone 10 for 10. Yeah. I would yeah. More James Bond references. Um, Absolutely, um, I've not got a David Fincher one
0: in the sure Well, he, he has will.
1: a cameo in this film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nelly had me there. I was like, <laughs> so um, yeah. I mean, I, I still, I'm not quite sure what my favorite, what my favorite bit of the movie is. I mean, it, I think that you know the, the scene where they turn up to um, it, in the canyon of the Crescent Moon to get the grill at the end, um, and they, they sort of they sent they're sending in volunteers. Yeah, and. They keep getting their heads cut off, and then when he goes in, and he finally figures it all out, and it's it's the way that him and him and Connery are sort of talking to each other in a way like um, I want to be actually sorry. One of my favorite moments is without a doubt when he gets the the diary accidentally signed by Hitler. Yeah, that's just amazing. That's so funny. Like, um, that's a beautiful scene because it's 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 really tense because here he is standing face to face with, with Hitler, the yeah. most evil man who ever lived. Yeah, in a Nazi uniform, <laughs> Do you know what I mean, and he just pen Adolf Hitler gives it back, has no idea that it's the Grail Diary. Um, I love that bit, but yeah, the, the bit um, towards the end where him and him and Connery, even though Connery's lying on the lying on the ground, dying of a gunshot wound, and they're sort of they're sort of talking to each other, and the, the penitent man, the penitent man, the penitent yeah. man kneels before God, and when he finally figures it out, and it's it's just in time, and then. But in the, in the Latin alphabet, Jehovah starts with an I. Would, yeah. I love that bit, because it's J, straight down. Do you know
1: what? I, I didn't notice. I must have seen this film 20 times or more. And last night, I, I watched Shameless Plug. I watched it in the in the home cinema. Yeah. And obviously, the screen's huge in, in there, in
0: isn't JT it? JT at the movie's YouTube channels home cinema. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're going to do a plug, do it all right?
1: Sponsored by Phil Graham. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah um, watched it and obviously huge screen HD on the Blu-ray um, and when he's doing that Donovan's right behind him I never actually noticed that before but oh, Donovan really? Donovan's literally only two steps behind him the whole way I've never noticed that and I, and I noticed it last night I'm like Bloody Because he he kneels and then Donovan sort of jumps back a bit because he's literally just there with him to make sure oh, that Indy doesn't uh, just completely throw away. It bears no real relevance on the on the plot, but you know it's always nice when you go back to you know for this my favourite film, but you know a film you've seen dozens of times. Notice something. I yeah. notice something new. i um,
0: look out for I've never noticed that before because he he does show up shockingly quickly. Yeah, in, it's like literally he because, the because and...
1: he's on his heels. Yeah because i always thought as well like how because obviously there's there's all the fake tiles in India. only puts one foot wrong well one and a half doesn't he because he sort of slips off one doesn't he? yeah and um like the the you know it's like well hang on a minute how you know how are they going to know where to but yeah it's literally because they are literally a step behind him yeah. um and when he's throwing the gravel back over obviously it'll be to show them that there is actually a, a path there i i know i've told you before and i'll, I'll sort of tell the, the story a couple of years ago i i had the uh, the honour and the privilege of meeting Julian Glover, who played Walter Donovan in this film. Yeah, and it was fascinating. I got to talk to him for about twenty minutes. He was at a, a Comic Con up here in Yorkshire, uh, where we are we are based, where the uh, museum HQ is. Yeah, and um, yeah, he, he came, and more people were, were wanting to talk to him about like he, he's. I've not watched Game of Thrones, so I don't know how involved he is in it. But apparently, he's in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's
0: turned up in that. A few days. He's, he's in quite a. Quite a lot of stuff. He's, yeah, and he's a bit of a that guy.
1: He's obviously Christartus in Fure Eyes only. Um, um, and most people were talking to him about Game of Thrones or... Um, I can't remember. He's one of the admirals. He's the admiral that gets stepped up in Empire after Vader chokes out the... Yes. Yeah, that's what that's... Yeah, I was trying to remember. And, um, yeah. But you know as well, he's also Aragog the Spider in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Really? Yeah.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah I, now that I hear his voice, I'm like, yeah. You can hear it, can't you? Yeah. but yeah, I, I talked to him, and he sort of he, he didn't have a lot of technical detail about how they did it, but he was saying that in the you chose poorly scene the the he's in that scene more than the the mannequin and the puppets are. Um, and like the the makeup and the special effects was really heavy, and it was uh, most of it was done with practical effects, and yeah. you know there was things rigged all over him.
0: Horrifying. Scenes.
1: And he he actually said as well that this this was his favorite film of his old career that he's ever worked on. I figured
0: the bit where his hair was growing was stopgap. Um, I, this, I think there's there's quite a bit of stop like stop motion animation in there because yeah, it, you
1: can just see it, can't you, in the motion of it?
0: Well, it's quite it's quite clever the way that they film it because it, when they do that shot where he grabs a hold of her. Mm-hmm. But she's out of shot, like her face is out of shot. So presumably that's like a, it's a body mannequin. Yeah, and he and he holds onto it, and then then did, they do what? Do, they do. Yeah, they do hair, shot, shot, hair, shot, shot. Like yeah. So yeah, this is. I think there's there's definitely a bit of stop motion in there. It's, I, it's really interesting. But
1: yeah, he he said it was fascinating doing it, and uh, you know just just how much of it he was actually involved for. Yeah. Um and it's it, terrifying. Scene. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. Quite no, funny. It, it really is, isn't it? Um, I, I thought that watching it last night it was like I've seen it a million times, and it doesn't scare me, but it's spooky.
0: Yeah, every every time it's it's kind of it's like ooh, yeah, I forgot um, how how graphic that was, you know.
1: Laura's not one for you know being squeamish for gore or anything like that. Even she's like don't like it, and was like. You know, hands over the face, peeking through the fingers.
0: Because Laura's a massive like horror nut. No, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, we well, have sat there, folks, and I'm doing the actions for you, but I'm remembering that. Uh, <laughs> it's Radio Kids, yeah. Hans, baby. This is Radio. Put the gun away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what else can we? What else can we say about about? Uh... Alison dude, he's fantastic as Elsa Schneider. Oh yeah, absolutely. She she plays a really good. Would you call her a femme fatale? Really? I think so in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though, because she's kind of like.
0: She's kind of on the tipping point of being an ally all the way through it.
1: Yeah, she um, she's not really com- she's in it for the Grail. She's not in it for the Nazis.
0: Yeah, she's not she's not a, a sort of pure blood Nazi. Um, and you know, there's there's bits that give it away. It's like when she's uh, when they're, they're having the book barbecue. To quote the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um, have ourselves a little book barbecue in the, the yard. yard. We'll dance around it like wild Indians. <laughs> um, but yeah, and she's when they're having the book barbecue and she's like crying and and standing behind Adolf Hitler himself. In
1: tears, and it's yeah, that that kind of gives it away. Um, and obviously, she chooses the wrong cup as we've just discussed for, yeah, for Donovan, on purpose you know?
0: to get it to, to, to make sure he dies, yeah,
1: yeah, and to make sure Indy gets it. And I, I love that, um, you know, that the minute Donovan's dead, he's like, Well, it wouldn't be made out of gold,
0: yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, like, for, for someone that's chasing the Holy Grail, I mean, even I know that much about Christianity, yeah, a if the, he's
1: the, a the Holy Grail is,
0: you know. It's not going to be a big shiny gold thing.
1: No, because obviously he was, he was a carpenter. He was a working man, wasn't he? And uh, you know, did, did his teachings alongside. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, like you say, the, the you know, the cup of the king of kings isn't going to be this. You know, you'd be more likely to see Henry the Eighth drinking out of something like what uh, what Donovan yeah. drinks from.
0: And presumably, the other grails are sort of just
1: bits and pieces that the knights have picked up along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like you know, it's like I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody made the point of: Can you imagine if anybody ever went in the cave over the various thousands of years that people tried to retrieve it and tried to drink from the gold plate that's at the back? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll do the, I'll do the Doing the actions as well. But like you see it in the background shots and it's like this thing that you put the Christmas turkey on a weapon. Yeah, like, like, Dipping that in and just go It's <laughs> a dinner tray is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's fantastic, is oh, this film? So I, I, I I love it. The, the the scenes in Venice, I know we talked about already, they go down the catacombs and you know the the, the rats and, finding and the finding the grail rubbing and, and um, and then the the, the brotherhood, the, the sworn to protect the Grail. Oh yeah, the boat chase is cool. The, yeah, it's a very cool scene. Are you crazy? Don't go between them. Go between them. Are you crazy?
0: That's such a James <laughs> Bond thing at the end, you know, with the with um, with the the boats being sort of eaten by the propeller yeah. and. and... And it's, we'll die together. And like, yeah. yeah.
1: But I really like the fact that Indy's flawed in that scene because he's like, I'm prepared to die. And then, you know, it's my soul's prepared. How's, How's yours? yours? Yeah. And then Indy sort of looks and realises, yeah, I'm not getting anywhere fast doing this, am I? And yeah, I re- really liked that whole sort of thing. Um, yeah, like
0: threatening to kill this guy isn't going to work. <laughs> We're going to have to try something different. Yeah.
1: This, you know, th- this film has been one of my favourite films and is, is my favourite film now um in in recent years but the first time i i ever watched this my i I was probably five or six uh i was probably a bit young to be watching it but as we've (laughs) as we've discussed many times on this podcast my dear old dad uh didn't have a filter when it came to films and i could watch whatever i wanted so long as uh, my mother didn't find out and um god rest him and yeah um this this film I couldn't watch for the longest time because um, Dad passed away um, coming up three and a half years ago. And this was our film. Yeah,
0: I um, know
1: you You know, And he showed me this one, one Saturday afternoon where Mum and my sister had, had gone out and I, I don't know what they... I think my sister used to take dance classes or something. They were you know, doing something like that. And they, they were out for the afternoon. And I, and I can see him in my mind clear as day. You know, Back when we had videotapes. Um, oh, Jim... I've got to show you that you know been really excited to show me this film, yeah. um, and I, and I sort of sat down, and you know five six year old me at first went, oh, well it's not Scooby Doo so I'm not interested it's not <laughs> Batman so I'm not interested, and within ten minutes of the opening scenes with River Phoenix and the the train sequence and then into the the Portuguese dock with the you know the fighting on the sinking ship and I was like hooked yeah literally literally hooked, and then I just just couldn't. Like take my eyes off the screen, and I remember just sitting in awe watching them ride off into the sunset after it, and it just been fantastic. And Indiana Jones was always mine and my dad's thing. I mean, along with James Bond as well. But I would say that we, we bonded over Indy before I found a love for James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if he showed me then, you know, because uh, we we didn't have them. I don't know whether you used to do this or not, but like now, obviously, we've got shelves or in my case, rooms full of actual authentic dvds but oh, yeah, we take them, off the, telly. Taped them yeah. off the telly yeah absolutely <laughs> I,
0: I would adverts on them from like when i take them off itv when they were on that and yeah yeah i had i think i missed temple and I, i've had raiders in in crusade but i don't think i touched raiders again like when i had that when i had the video i think i, I like crusade i kept going back to yeah um because i just i just love it like
1: yeah i i do as well and um the, the whole father-son dynamic in it, um, you know, obviously I'm nothing like Indiana Jones and my dad was nothing like Henry Jones Senior, uh, but the whole father-son dynamic in it really, you know, as I'm sure it does with any any close father and son, reminded me of our own unique dynamic. Um, and after after he went, I couldn't watch this for, for the longest time. Yeah. Um, and Laura got me a CD of film soundtracks and the Raiders March came on and I had to turn it off or just, just a mess, but I'm, I'm really glad that I've I've been able to come back to it and it's so much more special to me now. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I almost sort of get my dad back for a couple of hours if, if that makes sense. Sorry yeah, to I know what you mean, yeah. Take it to a really weird and personal place, but no, that's fair. like
0: I, I love the father-son dynamic with, with Indy and, um, and Henry, because you still get the impression that they are already fond of each other, but it's, it's like they, they've had this weird upbringing and like...
1: Yeah. Like the mum's died and clearly she was the... Yeah you know, that's the, sort of the missing ingredient of it. I think it might be explored in the young indie chronicles, but I still haven't seen. I need to watch some of those because I really like Sean Patrick Flannery as well. Like, Great. Yeah. Um, that, that one I I sent you because they're all on for anybody watching some absolute legend. And I'm sure they won't be there for long um, because I'm sure Disney will probably want to have a word about it. Uh, but some absolute legend has, has put all the episodes restored in HD on YouTube so I've been working my way through them as well because the DVDs out of print. Um, I think, like I said, the story gets explored um, there, though. I'm quite um, surprised it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah, I am as well. Well, I think George Lucas couldn't make his mind up with that. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but they used to be the series used to be book-ended. By an actor called George Hall, who was playing like ninety-seven-year-old Indiana Jones, and he'd always be getting into like your typical sort of old man adventures, like you know, getting stuck at the post office or causing a scene in a shop and getting taken to the drunk tank, and you know, silly things like that, or like he'd go to see his grandson's rock and roll band play and then to cut the power because he didn't like the music, or or you know, that sort of stuff. That those are the sort of bookends that you'd get, and there'd always be some little motif in those bookends that will go, oh, I remember a time when I was in school and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, indie 4, uh, Crystal School did reference it, though, you know, because when he um, he says, oh, well, I rode with Pontiovia." Villa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's an episode. Right, okay. Um, So it is, it's sort of still canon. But, yeah, Lucas sort of then couldn't make his mind up whether or not they were episodes and they had these, um, you know, George Hall indie bookends or whether they were just... They, then he edited them into, like, TV movies and they were like... Continuations of like the indie series, like prequels, and that that didn't work as well. One of the episodes, they actually got Harrison Ford to do the bookends for it. Okay. So Crystal Skull is actually his fifth appearance. Ah, oh, uh, right, yeah. There's a like, say, TV movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Mystery of the Blues, and it's the the sort of the. The opening scene and the final scene are set in um, the winters of Wyoming in the I think the early fifties. It's set just before Crystal Skull, anyway, and then it flashes back to Indy in his college days, working with Elliot Ness and Ernest Hemingway to try that's and bring funny. down uh, the the bootlegging operation and solve a murder that Al Capone's behind. It's, yeah, yeah, that's it, very cool. It yeah, actually really good. My favourite episode of the Young Indy series, and probably swayed a bit because it's got the proper tie to the main series with with Ford being in it. Um, what were we talking about we had to pause um, and then jump back in again yeah. didn't we um,
0: yeah I I think this the, the sort of father son dynamic between uh, between Henry Jones and Indy is awesome I it really is um, because you, you sort of get that the, they have like a rocky relationship but they, you know um, it's such an interesting father son dynamic because they've had like they've both had quite an interesting like obviously Henry Jones has had a really interesting life Um and he he doesn't really understand the indie's thing of like of you know, getting into these these big dangerous adventures and stuff. The bit on the uh, on the airship I just I love. Um where they have that sort of they, they finally have that sort of five minute sit down.
1: And neither of them have know. anything to say to each other. Yeah.
0: Um I just love that scene though. They're like right from chucking the the Nazi officer out the window and like, no ticket and then everybody starts like Tickets, tickets.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I absolutely- love that. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It's phenomenal scene. But it's, it's really one of them, isn't it? Where you can sort of see it from... And I think it's just expertly written. You can see where each character's coming from. Because... Indy's like you know it was a lonely way to grow up. You cared more about people that had been dead five hundred years than you did me. And then he's like, "But did I ever tell you to brush your teeth or do your homework?" No, I taught yeah. you self-reliance. So, and, for,
0: like from anybody else and from any same person's point of
1: view, that's just bad fathering. But like, well, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, and yeah. you sort of see, you can see where they're coming from, but they're, they're both they're both hurting from the loss yeah. of you know wife and mum aren't they and, and it's sort of like they haven't really been able to talk to each other about it because they don't really know how to how you know. to process the feelings and yeah it's yeah it, it it really really hits hits home does that
0: yeah it's... um i'm trying to think what else we can what else we can say about it really because it it's just it's just such a good movie it's a, it's it's such a, a great story i think spielberg's got a real talent for storytelling um and
1: yeah, look, he, he can. Him and Lucas are a bit of a dream team here, really, aren't yeah. they? Because Lucas brings the the story elements, you know, what's going on, and then Spielberg's like, yeah, that'll work, or maybe maybe try switching this out. Like the initial draft of this was all set in the Austrian castle, yeah, and it was going to be talking monkeys and ghosts, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and it was like, yeah, and then there was something about the fountain of youth that got. Got mused as well, which I suppose the uh, that Ended idea up in Paris the Caribbean. <laughs> well, it did, yeah. But actually, that idea sort of evolved into the Holy Grail, giving immortality, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like Spielberg's got a got a real talent for character development as well. Um, yeah. In, and I think it really shines in this one because it there's some quite there's some quite detailed intricacies about the characters that you kind of they, Almost seem a little bit unnecessary in, the, in in the story, but it just it's just nice. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's just nice to have that. Like it's it's nice to have a bit of a backstory on and, and like and connecting characters well. Like I say, with the whole the whole dynamic between between uh, Henry Jones and Marcus Brody. And do you know what? If I if I was to pick um a story that I'd, like a a backstory that I would love to see, it would be Marcus Brody and Henry Jones. Getting into these kind of adventures in like in their youth, the, 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 I suppose it's gonna be the late eighteen hundreds, isn't it?
1: Yeah, eighteen eighties.
0: Yeah, so like Wild West, probably. Yeah, around that sort of time. That's crazy, isn't it? When yeah. you think about, it.
1: yeah, um, you know, it's
0: like bits of history that you don't that you feel like shouldn't go together. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um,
1: I, I looked at it last night. Indy's born in eighteen ninety nine. Yeah, um, and Henry is born in eighteen sixty five.
0: So like the yeah, the Civil War ended,
1: yeah, yeah. So around the
0: around the sort of peak of the Wild West, he'd been in his been a teenager and going into his twenties.
1: because I, I kind of get the impression they grew up together in England, didn't they?
0: Yeah, because it I I sort of get the impression that they've got a bit of a dark past that they, they both have, in the way that like like Tim Roth's character in *Lie to Me*. Yeah, you know it's quite quite sort because of, like Henry Jones, whole thing is he's he's the you know the history teacher he's is very stuffy and you know. Um, the
1: one the students hope they don't get.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I I can't help wondering whether he's got some sort of sneaky secret past that like there was quite similar to what's going on with Indy.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, because
0: I mean, if you, if you, there's, there's
1: echoes of it in in Crystal Skull, he's
0: like he's handier than he should be. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, <laughs> but there are echoes of it, like saying in, in yeah. Crystal Skull, because when you when you look at the the first act of the film, he's he is a stuffy old teacher and he's no longer got all the, the kids fawning over him. He's, yeah. he's the, you know, he's the stuffy old teacher, you know, and, uh, what are you doing in the library? You know, archeology, span you know, and he, he carries on, doesn't he? When he's riding the motorbike through and, you know, like, um, more even says to him, you're a teacher part time. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it's like, yeah, the, 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 sort of echoes of it, isn't there? Uh, so I, I think you're right. I think there probably could be a, an interesting story there of him in his youth and,
0: it seems like him and Marcus Brody, did, like, there's a bit more to yeah. it. Like, they would maybe, because they're, like, both fiercely intelligent as well, and it's, like, there would have been, any, like, quite an easy target for, for like, the Secret Service to come after to work for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And I, th- I don't know, I think th- there's got to be a story about why they ended up in the States. Yeah. As well, like, why they both ended up in the States. And I think it, I'd, I would just like to see it. I, th- I think it would be, uh, I'd like to write it, to, to tell you the truth. Um, and I might <laughs> so this feels a bit meta uh, to ask this but Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is it going in the museum
1: of course it's going in the museum <laughs> it is the museum it is the museum <laughs> it is the reason for the museum yeah
0: Um, and I would say you have chosen wisely
1: so there we go it's just a great film. It's it's so it's good, so so so. good. I just good. love it so much. Oh, Phil, we made it to episode ten, mate. We have made it to episode we're, ten. We're, this is so
0: cool. We're,
1: are we more or less six months into this podcast now? I think. Did we start
0: in November? Was that the first episode? We what? Yeah, Mank wasn't it? Yeah, it was Mank. Yeah. And then Manc,
1: we that. did three weeks later or so. We did the Christmas Batman episode, didn't we? And then, yeah. apart from where we've had uh, a few scheduling conflicts recently. We've been more or less every couple of weeks or so, haven't we? And we're gonna be back to that now. See, we promised it folks, and this is, going to this be, is by gonna be by happen. the time you're hearing it, it'll be two weeks from uh, the last one coming out. Yeah. Um we're also open to any suggestions that you might have for episodes going forward, because if you can remember a few episodes back, we said that we're not going to take a series break after this one like we'd initially planned at the start. We're just going to keep going until either you get bored or we get bored, whichever one comes first. Yeah, we'll probably
0: we'll keep going until we run out of steam, and then we'll stop for a bit and then start again kind of later.
1: Yeah, that's usually how these things go. But <laughs> yeah, I think We'll, I think we'll call a season. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to try and get to at least episode 20 and see 2021 out. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we've a couple of specials planned. Uh, and a couple of films that we want to dive into, but yeah, hit us up on the on the socials. What do you want to hear?
0: Yeah, we want to do some director deep dives as well. We want to sort. Of, we want to sort of do some marath- some like movie marathons, and then and sort of talk about a, a director or a franchise or like and just and sort of sweep the whole thing.
1: We're even threatening on doing an episode as a commentary to a movie. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So that you can mute the movie and then listen to us to Pillock's chelp about what's going on <laughs> in the screen.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure there's like a timestamp on it so you can, you know, like pause it at the same time.
1: <laughs> Put the timestamp to zero when you hear Phil say the word quack. Quack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as promised, last week JT did me a little movie quiz um, of did. 20 questions and I've got, I was 10 for 20, which I don't think is too bad. Some of them were harder than I was expecting.
1: Um, some of them I should, I definitely should have got all right. Not gonna lie, I felt largely confident last week when you said that you were gonna do the same for me. Now I'm in the hot seat. It's a bit, uh, yeah. That, that confidence be... is is well and truly uh, gone. So. Just relax. Just
0: relax. It's fine. <laughs>
1: I'll be gentle. <laughs> Hello, it's, uh, it's <laughs> Phil Tarrant here from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Millionaire. We've got JT in the hot seat. He's from Leeds and he's currently on zero pounds. He's got all of his lifelines. He's Are got you poker. sure you want to take the money? Are you sure? We don't want to give you that.
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this is uh, JT's little movie quiz. Um, so, the very best of luck to you, sir. Thank you very much. And may the best man win. In which year was the first ever Academy Awards ceremony? 1928.
1: 29.
0: Oh. Sorry, mate. Um, question number two. In which fictional town and state is Back to the Future set?
1: Well, it's Hill Valley. Yep. But I couldn't tell you the state, I'm afraid.
0: Okay, you get half a point for Hill Valley. It is Hill Valley, California. Oh. What is the name of the old English sheepdog in the movie Labyrinth?
1: I've never seen it. No? No, I've not seen it. Um, i picked it up not so long since to watch, so I'll have to get back to you on that. But for a hazard, let's say uh, Balthazar. Balthazar. <laughs> You're not far off, actually. It's oh. Ambrosius. <laughs> How is that
0: not far off because it's it's weird and fantasy sounding <laughs> okay um question number four nicholas cage movies uh, season of the witch drive angry and ghost rider 2 were all released in which year 2011 it was indeed 2011 question number five which country has received the most academy award nominations for best foreign language film
1: I want to say Germany. Italy. Bugger. With 14. Oh, that makes sense as well.
0: Oh. You got a bonus point if you can tell me who's had the most nominations.
1: Um China. Twas France. Twas France. That's 60. There you go. That's yeah. that's an impressive feat. Um okay,
0: so question number six. Eleanor from Nick Cage's uh, Nick Cage's Gone in sixty seconds is what make model and what year of car? You get a bonus point for the year. Is it so, nineteen sixty nine Ford Mustang? It's a nineteen sixty seven Ford Mustang GT five hundred. So you get. I'll give you a point for Ford Mustang. So, question number seven: Ron Howard's two thousand and thirteen movie Rush follows the racing career of Nicky Lauder and which British Formula One driver?
1: Not a Scooby. James Hunt? I would not have got that in a million years.
0: That's um, Chris Hemsworth's character.
1: Yeah, I, I've not seen the film. I've seen the, seen the poster, but F1's not my uh, not my <laughs> forte.
0: All right, if you don't get this one, then we're, we're both in serious trouble. Um, the bank manager in the opening scene of Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight was played by which actor?
1: William Fitner.
0: William Fitner, it was. Question number nine. Which member of the Monty Python cast also portrayed Robin Hood in Time Bandits?
1: Okay. it's not John Cleese is it it's John Cleese it was John Cleese
0: yeah. you I haven't look. seen
1: that film since I've probably about 12 or 13 question number 10 how many feature
0: length films has Christopher Nolan directed
1: ok I'm allowed to count them yeah Okay, following Memento uh, Insomnia Batman Begins The Prestige The Dark Knight Inception uh, Dark Knight Rises Interstellar, Dunkirk, 10 I want to say 11. It is 11 indeed.
0: Yeah, I thought you'd get, it all, thought you'd get that one right if you counted them all. <laughs> uh, what is the name of the guerrilla army in the 1984 movie Red Dawn? I've not seen it.
1: No? Good grief. I'm, uh, I haven't seen it, but I still know this. <laughs> fair enough. Um, not, not a clue. Uh, think, ca- think about the
0: family guy sketch. The family guy caught away with it. No. Didn't do a musical
1: version of it. Can't think.
0: I'm a Wolverine. Well, there you go. <laughs> or the Wolverines. I'm doing as poor as you at the minute. Aren't I, uh, in fact, actually, you I are... think I'm doing worse, aren't I? One, I'm two and a half points up. Two, three, four, five. You've got five and a half points. Five and a half points? you got five and a half for 11. Question number 12. The character of Hugh Stamp in Mission Impossible 2 was portrayed by which actor?
1: Oh, is that uh, Doug Ray Scott? <laughs> Oh no, no it's the other. It, it's the other guy in that. Oh bugger, what's he called? Tim Blake Nelson? Nope. No. it was Richard Roxburgh. Richard Roxburgh. Of course, it was Richard Roxburgh. Uh,
0: I don't, was Tim Blake Nelson in it? No, I was confusing <laughs> him with Richard Roxburgh, and I don't know why. <laughs> okay, question number thirteen. This one might, might stump you actually as well. Uh, which species of dinosaur killed Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park?
1: I don't know the name of it, but I, do I get a point if I know that it's the one that goes <laughs> and its like, head opens up and it?
0: You can have half a point there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have half a point. It's a Dilophosaurus.
1: Yeah, well, there we go, folks. I'm doing shite here. I hope you guys are doing a bit better at home. All right, so I'm going to cross out that. Half he's been point. An absolute bastard. He's he's gone deliberate. Yeah, so I've got I've gone a i
0: have got i have gone have gone a little bit harsh. I kind I wrote this one myself rather than getting into. like I was trying. I was thinking last night of some tricky ones in the movie Fight Club. Tyler Durden claims that one can make napalm using equal parts gasoline and what other ingredient? Soap. No. No. Frozen orange juice concentrate. Uh, Question number 15. What was the infamous nickname of Gene Wilder's character in Blazing Saddles?
1: I can't remember.
0: (laughs) They used to call me the... It's the something kid, isn't it? I'll give you half a point for kid. It's the Waco kid.
1: Oh... I
0: knew that. Yep. The minute you said
1: that, yeah. I knew. Oh,
0: but I shoot with this hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Number 16. A close camera angle capturing a human subject from the top of the head to just below the waist is colloquially, colloquially known as what kind of shot? It's
1: not a POV, is it? No. No. That's, mm. Close up.
0: It's called a cowboy shot.
1: A cowboy shot
0: i mean it is, it is a type of close-up I'll, I'll, you know yeah i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a half point for that as well um yeah because technically it is a, is a type of but it's yeah it's the, the shot from either either above the head or forehead to just below the waist so you can see the guns it was kind of made famous in spaghetti west intense yeah cowboy shot um question number 17 The 2000 Chris Columbus movie, Bicentennial Man, starring Robin Williams and Sam Neill, was based on a novelette by which author?
1: Philip K. Dick.
0: It was Isaac Asimov. As in Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. Same block who wrote I Robot. Um, Question number 18. In Edgar Wright's 2010 movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the title character must face how many evil exes? Seven. Seven indeed. Uh, question number 19. The films Connor, Last of the Mohicans, and Under Siege have which actor in common?
1: It's not Cole Meany, is it?
0: It is Cole Meany. Uh, question number 20. The character of Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on real. Uh, sorry, it's based on which real historical serial killer? Is it Ed Gein? Ed Gein? It is Ed Gein. Right then. So the final tally is. One, two, three, four. Four,
1: five, six. He did seven, poorly.
0: Eight, nine, ten. <laughs> so that means next week, sudden death. <laughs> We're going tie break. Oh, great. And uh, just to just to reiterate the um, if you if you missed it earlier on the the question which I'd like to ask the audience: the character of Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is seen throughout the movie wearing a jersey from which NHL hockey team, and you get a bonus point if you also know the player on the back. Please don't Google it. Um, Give me a shout on social media at Twig Says or at JT at the Movies or indeed at Old Museum Pod on Twitter. Um, We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Indeed we are. So just comment on
1: whatever's up there already. (laughs) And if you can catch it, there is a carrier pigeon flying around aimlessly somewhere. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so yeah, yeah. if you've got a net, that'll be quite handy.
1: Because <laughs> we could really do with him back. It's his birthday next week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have important things to, to put into transit and we don't trust drones. They're not alive like them. <laughs> um, so we've got quite a lot of questions from uh, from
1: fans this week. Um, and with it being the 10th episode, we can go hog wild. We can indeed, yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to answer these questions a bit better than how I've just <laughs> done them. Cause... That's not bad, actually. I, was, I wasn't expecting you to, to, to get 10. Because I, I deliberately made it difficult. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I, was, I know it was a dick move, but like, I felt a bit stupid after the last Did, time.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. Because I'm I'm feeling the same. And do you know, I went through because there was a list of a hundred questions on that one last time. And I'm like, as I'm going through them, that's why I was taking sort of a few seconds here and there between questions. Because I'm like, I can't ask him that. Even I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have had the answer in front of me. We're not recording in our usual location. We're we're out on location today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, three points to you if you can guess where we are. Straight up at all three. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not we're not in
0: uh, we're not in Phil's recording studio this time. No. Um, so we, we we've got a we've got quite a few uh, questions from fans this week. So thank you very much to everybody who got in touch yesterday. Um, when I say yesterday, I mean we're recording this on. Tuesday, the 25th of May. We are. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for everybody that got in touch with, on social media and left us some questions. These are all going to get shout-outs. Um, we've got three questions, first of all, from Steve Deakin-Davis on Twitter, um, who's at DDC nebworth. Uh, so, hi, Steve. Thank you very much for asking us. Steve, hope. Hey, oh. Um We'll start with it because he's asked a couple of silly ones as well. Uh, what's the difference between 1970s Tokai Stratocaster and a Fender one?
1: Honestly, I I don't know because I've never never played one, um, but I know that they they were in the era of lawsuit guitars, so they were made to be as close as possible, and that Tokai were one of the few companies that got away without being sued by Fender, so long as they made subtle changes to the design and the manufacturing to avoid copyright infringement. Oh, okay, I
0: didn't know. I've never played one either. I assumed it was kind of like just.
1: They, they are copies, regarded but... they, they are regarded as like top quality you know like sort of yeah um you, oh what's the best I- stations yeah.
0: yeah but as good as strat copies get
1: like, yeah but about as good a strat copy as you're gonna get all the same with the the Les Paul inspired versions the love rocks as they call them <laughs> and yeah you know, I, I think there's an SG that they do and a 335 and a telly but I know that there's a they do a telly because not that I've ever played one but our bandmate used to own one back in the day ah uh, yeah um. Sure. But um but you know they they, they do them. Um, but what what the, the difference is, I'm not too sure. Obviously manufactured uh, I would imagine in a different factory in Japan they won't have the same specifications. Yeah. Um, you know, so what whilst they'll have been able to take a fender strat and dissect it, the pickups won't be wound necessarily the same way, the materials might not be the same. So, you know, aesthetically you might have something that's virtually identical, but it might feel and yeah, play a bit different. Differently. I mean people like Stevie Ray Vaughan though and uh your man out of ZZ Top have favoured them at times over the actual Fender product. I think, is it Stevie Ray's album or the single, the Texas Flood? Either way, there is some iconic artwork of Stevie Ray holding a a Tokai strap rather than a Fender one. And like I say, I know your man from ZZ Top. I always forget them. Um, there's the guy whose surname is Beard, and he's the guy that doesn't have a beard in ZZ Oh, he's yeah. Yeah, and then is it Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill, isn't it? Yeah. I can't remember which is way around, whose guitar and whose bass, but the guitarist um, has played them Is it Frank them. Beard? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, Frank. I think it's Frank Beard, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah um, so I hope that, that answers that. Um, I've never played one of these, so I don't know. But uh, do you know what? We'll go on a little. We'll, like, we've been on about going sort of window shopping for guitars again. Um, for a little while. So if I spot one, I'll pick it up and have a play and I'll let you know.
1: Um but to me even Fender Strats like they all play differently anyway. Oh so. yeah, they, they they absolutely do. Yeah. I I've you know I've got a max one that I bought second hand, beat up and it is absolutely fantastic. And then when I was sort of about eighteen months ago in the market for a for a new guitar I came into some inheritance money and uh, wanted to to get a, a new guitar to sort of commemorate the person yeah. and um I played an American Fender Strat, played several and like I said, all different, and nothing's a patch on, for for my taste anyway, the, the battered Mex one that I've got. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely right, yeah.
0: So, uh, Steve also, also asks, where have I left my sunglasses?
1: Um, I think, Steve, that I last saw them on the back of your head so that it was making it look like to the people that you're around that you've got eyes in the back of your head. Yeah, like Cousin It, you know? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think you should check there, mate. If not, have a look in the vestibule. Absolutely. Um, and if all else fails, check down the the heel- side of the sofa. As well, well, check down the side of the sofa. You can click your heels together three times and say, "There's nothing like my sunglasses," and then uh, Judy Garland will bring you them.
0: Mm-hmm. I found mine in the fridge once. You know, so that that's a thought.
1: I mean, I I wear glasses, and I I mean I can't really see without them, so it's very rare that I do it. But I occasionally do the bit where I sort of put them up above my eyebrows, and then I'll be like, I'm wearing, wearing my glasses, can't find them, and then, you know, do the whole eyebrow drop and back onto my nose. Thing. Don't you have eyes? Yes, but I don't use them because it wears the batteries out. <laughs> yes, <indeed. laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with mine. i have to take them out and change them. Have you got a screwdriver? Do it yeah, now. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a
0: toolkit down here, so yeah, as soon as you can record we'll sort it out. <laughs> um, So, uh, I, hope, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> I'm sure it probably wasn't, but... <laughs> And uh, finally, Steve also asks which Doctor Who had the coolest outfit. Now, I took the liberty of making a list. Go for it. Um, to of, of ones that we can choose from. Um, it seemed to be the sort of favourites, but I, to be honest, I struggle to to pick one. So there's the fourth Doctor, is Tom Baker and his scarf.
1: Yeah, so Tom Tom Baker kind of iconic, really. Um, I'm not a, a Doctor Who. I am. I do you know what? I am a, a Doctor Who fan but I'm a casual fan. Um I was I was introduced to this sort of properly uh, by my uh, by my girlfriend, my mum's husband Miles, who listens to the cast. Shout out to Miles! Yeah, shout out, Miles. Um, he he listens to this when he's uh, doing deliveries in his van. Uh, is a huge Doctor Who fan, the biggest Doctor Who fan I've ever met, um, and and he'll probably have a lot of in depth reasoning as to what his favourite Doctor Who ensembles are. Um, but um, but yeah, for me, I'm I'm just sort of the the casual fan, and I'm only really familiar with the more modern era, the, the BBC sort of... I know it's all BBC, but the, you know, the, the, the reboot continuity, Eccleston onwards. Um, well, there was also on the list is William Hartnell's suit. Um, so which, I mean, again, that's that's fairly cause iconic, isn't it? Because
0: he's the first Doctor, so it's just that, that sort of... That, that was like the dawn of the, of yeah. the weird Doctor Who look. Um, Sylvester McCoy's sort of at the races look, but that always creeped
1: me out a little bit. Is he the one with the salary in his pocket?
0: Yeah, and the he uh, it, it, it looks like he's, he's going to... Um, like to the, the Grand National, Chapman, or the Derby, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah whatever. whatever. Um, but, like, white ball of heart and, and sort of white, like, white suit, colourful tie, um, umbrella. Yeah. Always, always Colin umbrella. Baker
1: always looked like he'd made his suit out of a deck chair, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, what else have we got? So, uh, going into, into sort of later territory, I mean, you've got Paul McGann who, you know, only had. He did the TV he movie. Only had the one, TV he, movie. Yeah. Um, but his Edwardian suit. Especially, you know, like later on in the movie when he gets really sort of grizzled and he's quite, he's quite dishevelled. He looks fantastic. I, I do like that. Like that's, I think that's a very cool look. Um, Christopher Eccleston's leather jacket and t-shirt combo.
1: Yeah, e- Eccleston looks sort of cool, but he just sort of looks like normal bloke in the street. And yeah. then Tennant did the... That was the suit and like the converse. The suit and the converse, wasn't it? Occasionally, like the the pinstripe sort of jobby, wasn't it? I'm was thinking, right, yeah. And then you've got... Um, the, the Matt Smith had... The bow tie, wasn't it? And the yeah. tweed jacket.
0: Ma- Matt Smith was all about the accessories, which are quite... You know, like the weird hats and stuff. Like the fez. The, the fez. Not, not so much the fez, but the, the Stetson was definitely like a... Yeah. That was the thing that was like, okay, now you look cool. With the rest of this ensemble, Anders Stetson, that, that's awesome. But ge- in general, I'd, I'm just not a bow tie guy. No, fair enough. Um, and then you've got Peter Capaldi's suit and waistcoat, which was
1: great. Like, Yeah, Peter Capaldi had to look deaf doing anything else, being the Doctor, really. Yeah, I think so. And then Jodie Whittaker looks fantastic. She
0: looks really good. I, I really like Jodie Whittaker. Because they get to choose, don't they? Like the, yeah. the actors get to pick what they... Because it's like... I know, the end I know of the day, Laura there, so. knows
1: this, but I really, fancy jodie worker <laughs>
0: she's she's great yeah i'm not a huge fan of the of, of, of like of the seasons that she's been in and it's it's got nothing to do with jodie worker because i think she's she's a, she's
1: amazing it's excellent look, the writing's not cracking is it
0: no nah, I, I, I as much as chris chibnall's brilliant and you know a lot of the, a lot of his other stuff you know you look at stuff like Broadchurch, fantastic but it just to, to me it's just lacking something it, it's not quite got that sort of spark that it 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 hasn't it hasn't got that cleverness and that that real sort of complicated interwoven story thing that um, Dick Mark Wallace and Stephen Moffat had, and I really miss that. Even like the Russell T Davis stories as well. Yeah, I think with it, with with better writing, Jodie Whittaker. I mean, she's she's amazing. I love her as as. The I doctor, think I it.
1: think they've had some some pockets of gold, like the the Rosa Parks episode really stood out. me. That for was a me. good one. Yeah. Um, and you know there have been some other pockets of it as well. I I quite liked. Um, the there's the. I can't quite remember the context of the episode, but there's the there's the estranged couple, the two fellas, and they're sort of like chasing each other all over the world, and there's sort of something going on there. Yeah, and yeah. I liked that episode. Yeah. There's pockets of it, but yeah, I think largely on the whole, sort of me and Laura have come out of it. I thought, I thought the first season was stronger.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. The um, second one not so much.
1: But right. the second one yeah. m- missed the step of it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I it's think pro- I think my favourite Doctor Who. It's probably, of, you know what? I can't stand Bradley Walsh. Oh he's he's <laughs> Gosh, my favorite of the he was my favorite of the three companions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, I I think he's hilarious. I have uh, a lot of time for Bradley Walsh but um my my favorite i think um
0: my favorite's going to be david tennant's mine is yeah. as well it's i mean david tennant's my favorite of the at
1: least of the modern doctors yeah he is he is um, mine as well i mean if you if you have to pick an overall iconic one i probably say tom baker is the image that comes to mind with the yeah. scarf and the hat and the big coat um i think but, peter capaldi's probably a close second to me in terms of the the, the look cuz
0: I, I just i love the suit and waistcoat thing like the three piece yeah and the sort of the jacket down yeah. to your knees sort of and it, it's the fact that because Peter Capaldi was such a flamboyant doctor and I, I love that you know because it like it's the big the the, the long jacket and the sort yeah. of sweeping behind you and you know when he comes it when he crashes through the wall in the tank yeah like I got it for my fish like you know, stuff like that it just works so well to have that sort of combo it does yeah but I think it's the it's the suit and converse combo yeah David Tennant suit and converse combo I just love it like um, especially in in certain sort of historical times when it it looks really out of place like you know, when they go back to ancient Rome to Pompeii, and yeah, the, the one with Peter Capaldi in it. Which, by the way, um, this is a this is purely a fan theory. Um, there was quite a lot of stuff I remember seeing at the time when Peter Capaldi was named as the Doctor, um, saying he he can't be because he's already been in it. Now, I reckon that one of the sort of one of the ways that the Doctor, the character of the Doctor, regenerates is by imprinting on somebody that they've previously met.
1: Yeah, or taking on the, the form sort of thing. Like like faces that you see in your dreams are yeah. faces that you've seen in real... Like you can't yeah. create a face. So there's absolutely
0: no reason why... In fact, it would stand to reason that somebody who'd been in Doctor Who before would end up playing the Doctor later on. And that's just a... I know it's a little side point, but... Um,
1: yeah, no, I, I've heard yeah. things like that about... It, it takes
0: on the... It just makes sense. It, yeah, just, it does, doesn't uh, it, yeah. Um, so... For people who said that Peter Capaldi shouldn't have been in, shouldn't have played the Doctor because he was already in, he'd already been in Doctor Who, that one's for you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so you can sit on that one. So yeah, I reckon D- uh, David Tennant's. Sort da- of suit da- David
1: cover. Tennant's where, where I'm at as well. I think he looks the coolest.
0: So, um, we've also got question We've got a lot, a lot of questions to yeah, so yeah, we probably crack on. Um, we've got a question from Jordan on Facebook. What are your three most anticipated movies?
1: So yeah, Jordan um, is movie worm over on YouTube, and he's a oh, okay. he's a buddy of mine, and he's got a fantastic channel. Uh, he's recently passed thousand subscribers, and if you're not over there, go and have a look because I'm not kidding. The guy is fantastic, uh, and I'm I'm not just saying it because he's a pal and because we chat and stuff, but that the guy is. Really, really great. So uh yeah, go and go and have a look. But yeah, he's asked us what are our three most anticipated movies. He's not not put any sort of like, you know, coming out this year or whatever. He's been going to next year or even the years after or whatever. Um so There's I was thinking sort of runners up for me. <laughs> well yeah, likewise. I was sort of thinking I think if I'm really honest, and um, it's gonna be Batman, Spider Man and No Time to Die. Actually, yeah. no, no. Um, not not the Batman, but the the Flash Batman movie that they're doing when Michael Keaton's coming back. Yeah, no time to die in Spider Man.
0: I've got down Spider Man three, no time to die in the King's Man I just love the Kingsman movies, and that because it's a prequel, and because Roy Finch is in it. Yeah, and because they're doing loads of like like um sort of pre World War One his bits of history, and it's. It it's looks just, really. cool, It looks amazing. It? Like yeah. I
1: can't wait to see it. I'm um, I'm I'm really intrigued about this whole Spider-Man thing, where apparently they're setting up the multiverse that's going to be in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah,
0: because I spoil alert. Um, the ended Far From Home. It, uh, you've got the reappearance of J.K. Simmons.
1: You do get the reappearance of J.K. Simmons, and obviously Peter Parker is outed as Spider-Man. Yeah. So apparently Charlie Cox is going to be in it as Daredevil because Peter Parker is going to need a lawyer. Uh, But also, apparently, the film is going to launch the whole multiverse carry-on, and apparently Tobey Maguire and Andy Garfield are going to show up in some capacity.
0: And it's going to have to tie into Doctor Strange 2 as well,
1: because that's the whole multiverse of madness thing, which is going to be really weird. And apparently, um, Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire series, is going to become canon in the MCU, because when Doc Ock goes in the end of Spider-Man 2 into the pit of fusion reaction explosion-y goodness... Apparently he doesn't fall and burn to his death. He falls through time and space yeah. and ends up in the in the Tom Holland universe. So this new phase of Marvel movies is gonna really make everybody's brains <laughs> hurt. I think it's gonna. Don't, don't you always think though that you find with like Marvel and DC and Marvel have generally landed it. Well, Marvel have always landed it better. Yeah. Um But it's, like, it's how to collect canon
0: from yeah. like all the movies. You know, it's like how. This is just going to be really bizarre. Is, I've I've got a horrible feeling there's going to be horrific continuity errors everywhere. That's that's the that's my worry
1: with it. I think I think out of the two of them, I think Marvel will probably do a better better overall job. But like when the Flash movie got now, when Batman vs Superman came out and they announced the DC slate and they're like we're going to do Cyborg, we're going to do Lantern, we're going to do Justice League, and you know Flash is the only one of them that they've actually made from that slate of films or is going to be made, and it's gonna be. Michael Keaton as Batman, Ben Affleck as, you know, current Batman, and then um, obviously Ezra Miller playing the the Flash, and then no sooner had they done that, Marvel are like, oh, in Spider-Man three, Tom Holland and Andy Garfield are coming back, and Doctor Strange, we're gonna have him go all over everywhere, and Nicolas Cage might be Ghost Rider again. Oh, and, that's gonna kind of mental. Like, yeah, they they sort of like it was the same when Civil War and Batman v Superman came out. They announced Batman v Superman. And then delayed it a year to try and make it a better film. Well, guys, you should have delayed it about a decade because it didn't bloody work. Yeah. Um, but um, Marvel then were like, "Oh, we're gonna do Civil War," and you don't know who came up with it first here because Marvel always looked like they've had this like sort of like ten year plan, yeah. and DC have just been like on the fly, like let's try and copy them; they're doing good. <laughs> um, yeah, just
0: wait wait until the next MCU movie comes out and then that, do yeah. something similar. And, yeah.
1: Absolutely, no no time to die um, has been ready for audiences since November of 2019 yeah um, and then it got pushed in uh, February twenty twenty because Danny Boyle stepped down early on in production. Uh, and Carey Fukunaga, the the man behind True Detective, I'm really excited to see what he does with it yeah. because True Detective, at least the first season, was absolutely fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, not that I liked it um, or anything; it was just amazing. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he does. Obviously, it's Daniel Craig's swan song, and I'm really kind of
0: they could have used this time to find a new Bond. That's the thing. Like, well, we well, don't know that they haven't. Yeah, no, it's a point. But like, the, the, you know, with, do you think that they'd want to give audiences something else to be excited about well, while they wait for, like,
1: yeah, there's. You know. well, I mean, the thing is that, they they, they probably have started preliminarily looking because Daniel Craig's been very open that he doesn't want to come back. But I mean, how many times did Roger Moore say it? How many times did Sean Connery say it? If there's a big enough paycheck, they'll come and they'll phone it in. I mean, yeah. you look at View to a Kill. Look at Diamonds Are Forever. Elfie, I look at Die another day. You know that if the money's there, they'll come and do it, won't they? Will these guys? They're not. They're not deft. But I, I hope Craig steps down. But I'm, I'm hoping he gets a really good send off. And I'm really looking forward to the end of this whole shared universe, connected story, overarching. Blofeld was behind everything. Yeah, Bollocks. just like go back to the normal, like, like one at a time. Deals with an adventure, and it's done. Yeah. like Quantum of Solace was controversial opinion Quantum of Solace was great because it <laughs> it carried on from where Casino Royale left off and it was the first time that that had ever been done like the consequences of a previous film informed the actions of the next yeah. one
0: like in terms of like it actually being direct rather than just being
1: a, being a oh yeah that happened all references and yeah. Like, yeah it's like yeah absolutely direct and then Skyfall I thought right okay wasn't really my cup of tea to be honest don't get me wrong it's phenomenal but not really a bond film for my money um it was a lot
0: that, that film was a lot it was like you know, yeah
1: and and it's sort of like right standalone story and then we get specter and you bring in the talent that is christoph voltz and waste him and then you. waste him yeah. as toys out of the Pl- pram blowfeld rather than this evil menacing bastard
0: I don't want to see him wasting in no time to die. I, I think they'll, I think they might be a little bit more careful. I, I really hope, yeah. I really hope that they are. Now that um, he's got the scar and the cat, and the, now he's he's Blofeld. Yeah. Like now he's the he's, he looks like Blofeld, you know. What yeah. I mean? um, tastes like it too, but it's a breakfast cereal. So, <laughs> so we've got quite a lot of stuff coming out next um, over the over sort of the next few months. And but yeah, I would I would say my top three is probably no time to die, Spider Man three, and the King's Man. Um we've got a few Marvel properties coming out. Shang chis coming. Um, we've got Venom 2, we've got... Uh, Black Widow. Black Widow. um of Love and Thunder as well in, in May next year. Yeah,
1: that's going to be interesting, because that's going to be sort of the the bridging point for where Guardians goes next as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think
0: so. Um, you've got, obviously, yeah, Spider-Man and uh, the Gucci movie. Do you know what? Have you seen the cast? It looks fantastic, the doesn't it? The is cast is amazing. Like, I, I couldn't care less about the subject mine. I really don't care, but like the cast is like... So you, yeah, you've got Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Salma Hayek, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, and Jeremy Irons. I mean that's, it's it's physically impossible for that movie to be bad. It can't be.
1: Um, there's You'll also see. Top Gun Two, which I'm quite excited about. Which one? Top Gun Two. Yeah, Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick's gonna be be interesting. Do you know what? I've faith in that movie because Tom Cruise. I think he's potentially a bit of a marmite guy. Yeah. But I've always loved him. I quite like. I like it. I think he's only got better with age. Like his films, like the Mission Impossible films, have got stronger. The Jack Reacher ones were quite good. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow was fantastic. That's a great And um, you know, like you know, I think he's just done some really, really great stuff, and just seems to get better and better as he goes. And then Chris McQuarrie, that's been heavily involved in the last three Mission Impossible films, yeah. as as he's involved in in Top Gun 2 So I think I think that that's a good that they're they're a good team, you know. Another one that I'm quite excited about is Free Guy, and I know it's like Laura's really keen to say that because Jacksepticeye's is in it with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah,
0: because it's going to be a bit silly, but it's it's yeah. Ryan Reynolds wakes up one day to find that he to find out that he's a his whole life he's been an NPC in somebody else's computer game. I mean, it's I think it's going to be quite it's going to be funny at least.
1: Yeah, because it's a it's a familiar concept, isn't it? Like uh, you remember Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell a few years ago, yeah, where he yeah. realizes that he's a character in a book, um, and so like it's it's. It's gonna be an interesting take on a on a familiar tale, isn't it? That's <laughs> that
0: meme that was kicking about a while ago. You know, the the thing about Gary Oldman. Yeah. Of like, you you suddenly you're in the supermarket or something, and then the walls come down, and you suddenly find out that you're Gary Oldman. That's how good he is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's You've also been Gary Oldman this whole time. There's also Death
1: on the Nile, Matrix Four, um, and Uncharted. Um. Um. Cautiously optimistic about Uncharted, but it's been in development hell for years. Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, Antonio Banderas. I mean, it's a solid cast, and um, so let's hope that they do do something really good with it. I hope that they try and be. Faithful to the games and do do their own thing and do it right and not try and be another Tomb Raider, another Indiana Jones or what you know. I, w- I want them to put their own stamp on it. Yeah. Um. I think you know I think it could be be really really good if it's done right. But yeah, we'll see. So
0: another question from Tamati Shed Project on Twitter. Shout out, uh, Tamati Shed Project. Shout out, legend, really good musician. Um, he's currently building a recording studio in a garden shed in New Zealand. Excellent. Um, do you want to
1: come over and build one for me, mate? Yeah, that'll be
0: great. Um, he's been a good mate of mine on Twitter for a while, so uh, hi and uh, shout out. That's at uh, at shed Tamati um, on Twitter. He says, "How do you feel about the Rise of Skywalker? Was it a fitting end to the saga? What what aspects of the film that you did or did not like?"
1: Okay, so I came out of Rise of Skywalker. and I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. I absolutely yeah. adored it. Upon repeat viewings, I would say that that feeling of lovers. Sort of calmed down a little bit, but I still, still quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, um,
0: I like it. You know, I, do, I do like the sequel trilogy for, for what it is. You know, like it's, it's Disney's best effort in, in, in the, sort of meddling in the Star Wars franchise, which they shouldn't really be doing. But no. you know, if they, if they're gonna, I, I think that's probably the best they could have done.
1: Personally, I, I think, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the original trilogy characters should have been used and retired in The Force Awakens only yeah. as a passing of the torch. And then episode eight and nine, if they had to be made, should have been about Ray, Finn and Poe. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think in much the same way that... I know that all the characters in, in one, two and three are characters that go on to play a part in four, five and six, but in much the same way... It was way a that deliberate epi- set though, wasn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, but in much the same way that episode three is the one that, that is... Is is the most closely connected with you know, and you can have little flavors. and I think things like the Mandalorian um, has done it really well. Um, yeah, that's what that's what happens when you give Jon Favreau like that that much creative
0: control because the man is. What's the other song. guy's name? Is it Dave? Is it Filoni? Dave Filoni? Dave yeah. Filoni. Yeah. But because the, the Mandalorians had like a, a you know um, people like Bryce Dallas Howard have been involved in it, and it's it's had this sort of host of of which I don't think has really been done, obviously, because if you had you you know. On TV for years, we've always had rooms like writers' rooms. Yeah. But they've had a a director's consultancy. Yeah. You know, a group of people directing episodes and sitting and talking about the continuity and and really getting all the details right. And that's something I think that that, um, John Flavro is a genius for that. Oh, yeah. Because he's obsessive about it, it has to be right. And if it's, he wants to get as many people involved as possible, but it's got to have that overarching storyline. And the thing is, that's what's wrong. With the, the sequel, sequel trilogy, trilogy. Yeah. is that you had you had it written and directed by different people in each film, and you are like the, the the reason why the overarching continuity seems junky and and unmatched and it doesn't doesn't fit together.
1: Yeah, you know? it was sort of like you know, Abrams set the whole thing up, and I, I know you disagree, but I really do agree with the the consensus that Force Awakens is um, uh, a remake, an homage, if you will, to A New Hope. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I'm but, still a bit on the fence with that one. But, yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, for, for, for me, it, it, it is. But I had no problem with that whatsoever. In fact, I'm I'm more than happy with that because I think that's what that needed to be. And then I get that Ryan Johnson was like, right, okay, I'm coming in, I want to leave my mark. But I don't know, I... I just didn't care for The Last Jedi, and I'm not going to be one of these guys, oh, he's a shit filmmaker. And all. He's clearly not. Have you seen Knives Out? Have you seen Brick? I oh, seen a great Luka? filmmaker. The yeah. guy is a fantastic filmmaker. He tried something. it didn't land with the audiences. We just move on. Yeah. It's, it's that yeah. simple. And then Rise of Skywalker, clearly some executive somewhere went, oh, shit, that one were a bit controversial. We're not doing anything new again. So they're like, right, okay, well, the guy who made the first one was all right. Let's bring him back and remake Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So, so that's kind of what they did. Um, the whole Palpatine came back somehow, and you're his granddaughter. That's the bit I'm not so sure about. And the bit at the end where she goes, "I'm Ray Skywalker." No, you're not. Sit down. Be your own character. Stand on your own. Don't have somebody else's bloody legacy tarnished because you haven't been written as a strong character. Ray could have been fantastic, yeah. um, and arguably was in some scenes. There were some really brilliant things there. Luke Skywalker. Um, obviously, you know, he's Anakin's son, and that, that's a big sort of reveal. But, like, they made the reveal in Last Jedi that she's nobody. Yeah. And that, to me, is more important.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It's it's and definitely... It, it makes more sense in in terms of the story.
1: Because, realistically, who was the left that she could have been the heir of? Yeah. You know, it was either going to be Obi-Wan or Palpatine, wasn't it? And either's shit. Yeah, it's either, either one doesn't really work. Because, I mean... Yeah um and then it's uh, just yeah so that that was the bit that i didn't didn't really care for me but on the whole do you know what i don't look at star wars in in too much i, I know i've just gone in it detail, detail. but but when i watch them i don't like get hung up on all the little bits and bobs i just sort of watch it and do you know i've had a had a right good fun time watching it um you know i did, didn't mind the overall story loved the harrison ford cameo in it um that, that made my day um I liked Adam Driver's character arc coming full circle. Um and and the NFT I think there were there were pockets of brilliance in it and I think I, I agree largely with your sentiment Phil on the yeah. whole they did what they could.
0: Yeah, that's it yeah. yeah we, so we've got uh, we've got five questions left, we've got one from Ruben. Um so shout out Ruben of the Going Jack podcast.
1: And more importantly of leaving over leaving
0: Overmorrow. yeah. Yep. Um Ruben says you've got to eradicate one actor's work from the world of film. Anything else like stand up or music stays? Who are you banging off?
1: I honestly don't know that I hate anybody enough to to get rid of him, So I'll let you take this one, mate.
0: Kevin Costner. I can oh. live without his good stuff.
1: Oh, poor Kevin Costner.
0: I can I can live without his good films.
1: I I honestly can't think of anybody that I whose work I dislike yeah. enough to think. It took me a
0: while to land on Kevin Costner. I
1: was thinking about it last night. <laughs>
0: I almost said Edward would Norton, but then, but then you know you lose Fight Club, fight club, don't club don't you? an American well, history
1: act. I, I I honestly, like, I don't want to go down the whole down a controversial rabbit hole, so I'm not gonna. But like, you could even start taking actors and performers that have maybe done some, you know, people who were convicted offenders. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, yeah, but then
0: you know you, you go into that territory. You've got people like, uh, you. Know, I, I mean, I. I know that people have, that the internet's kind of kind of made a really big deal out of out of cancelling Kevin Spacey, and fair enough because what he's done. But that I can I can still I can still cope with him um, purely because some of I, his I films are I'd, so good. I
1: don't think I would watch anything he brought out now. No, uh, I don't think any. I don't think he's ever going to bring anything out again. No. but absolutely, you know, he's he's obviously been oh, some of the films, you he's know, been, been accused of some horrific things, and from what I understand, he's largely admitted to them. Yeah. Um. But, He's going you know, so many good movies. Things like The Usual Suspects or, um, you know, American Beauty. Many or Minister Coats. Goats, um, so yeah. one of my favourites. A Baby Driver. And and I think you probably have to look at the collective piece of art maybe and think, right, okay, well, yeah. like Usual Suspects, there's four other cast members in there that have put their art and soul into it.
0: Yeah, like Seven as well. You've got Brad Pitt and...
1: Yeah, uh, or Seven, cool and movies. I think you just sort of have to... Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's a... It's a debate for another time. <laughs> it is, a, it is a, deb- a debate for another time, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm
0: bannin off Kevin Cosner. That's that's mine. Well, there we go. Because I can I can live without his good movies. And I'm it? I'm walking
1: yeah. out because I just can't believe you getting rid of Kevin Costner. What you did he ever do to you? Um, did
0: did you did you see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? He <laughs> did I, that to me. Yeah. I sat through that. He's <laughs> <It's>
1: so <sad. laughs>
0: Yeah. Um do you know what he just he
1: just just comes across as such a nice bloke he just seems like he'd be sort of like you know just just really friendly like you could go and have a beer with him or a coffee and he'd just be just you know really friendly and accommodating and just like a really decent bloke i don't know you know you (laughs) just get that impression about people
0: the family guy cut away about it's like trying to tell matthew mcconaughey that he sucks not that he does i love you matthew mcconaughey but i love that that sketch that you are terrible oh thanks man Did you see Sahara? They just said they wanted a good-looking guy with a great ass. (laughs) Let's have the next question. (laughs) So uh, Badger on Facebook says, uh, shout-out Badger, out of all the racing films such as Rush and Death Race, which actor would win in a Death Race, like the film, uh, style Grand Prix
1: in Le Mans? Okay. Uh, Jason Isaacs is Dick Dastardly in Scoob. (laughs) mate i'm not a, as, a, as i mentioned earlier i'm not really a, a a racing fan um in in any sort of capacity and uh, i haven't seen many many racing films i don't know whether this is a bit of a bit of a cop out really but um the the lads um, adam driver and daniel craig um in logan lucky oh yeah, they rob nascar yeah, yeah. um so just because I liked that pairing of those two actors I'll I'll say them but I I honestly don't have an informed answer to give you I'm afraid mate because it's really just not my cup of tea Um, I'm going to go with Burt Reynolds from The Cannonball Run oh well there's a shout versus um,
0: Chris Hemsworth in Rush in Rush because I think it would be really funny
1: (laughs) what about just for a real sort of curveball there yeah Sandra Bullock from Speed 1. Not Speed 2, <laughs> yeah, but two. in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be class. <laughs> it's yeah, like, cool with your own wacky races, isn't yeah. it? It's like, okay, you've
0: crossed the finish line. You can slow down now. I can't. I can't. It'll blow up. I think All it was die.
1: called the bus the
0: that couldn't, couldn't slow, slow down. down. Um, so, Will on Facebook. Um, hi, Will. OG fan. Uh, if you could make a mashup film with one protagonist and one antagonist, from different films and universes, which one would you choose and
1: why? And why?
0: I've got a few for this one. Um. Yeah, I would I would like to see an Iron Man versus the Joker movie. Um, that'd, be,
1: that'd be quite interesting.
0: Doctor Strange versus Voldemort. Indiana Jones versus literally any Bond villain. Um, and we're 10 for 10. <laughs> and we are 10 for 10. Uh, there's a... Uh, The bad guy from Green Street against Jason Statham from Crank.
1: (laughs) That'd be just like the most cockney movie ever, wouldn't it? (laughs) That'd
0: be really funny. Oh
1: dear! Uh,
0: (laughs) You're an Indian country old (laughs) son. Oh, sorry. No, that was that's um, that's from Legend, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, his character from Legend against Jason Statham from Crank. Oh, is oh, different from The Meg, and then you can have The Meg as well. Yeah. And just in the background,
1: like, giant prehistoric shark. I don't know. Do you know, I, I was thinking about this. Like, put, like, um, the Ghostbusters in something like Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah and,
0: I, was, I was thinking something with a weird, something with a really weird town. You know, one of those, like, um like Children of the Corn or Wicker Man or, like, even, even modern stuff like Get Out. Yeah. Simon Pegg's character from Hot Fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> In with
1: that. Just <laughs> just just send him in to police them all. Oh yeah. Hey, um, that Sergeant Angel's coming past Check out his horse. Check out his horse. <laughs> um, I'm a, re- a slasher and I must be stopped. Timothy <laughs> <laughs> Dortmund's so good at that. He's he
0: just he the face when he's got the the picture picture of himself behind him, yeah. the same thing.
1: If they ever make a fourth film in that series, I know Cornetto yeah. trilogy, but if ever they decide to make a fourth film. Yeah, nice Daniel Craig needs to be the bad guy yeah that be in really Hot funny. Fuzz Dalton's the bad guy yeah and then in World's End Brosnan's, Brosnan's the... the bad guy so Daniel Craig needs to be the bad guy
0: yeah I've got a re- I do have a really sadistic one for this oh go on then I just because I think it'll be quite funny um Guy Pierce's character Leonard from uh, Memento against the Riddler
1: <laughs> which Riddler though are we talking like the upcoming Zodiac killer Riddler from The um, Batman or are we going like nah, Jim Carrey Jim Carrey yeah. I just
0: think it'll be really funny um <laughs> Or like, maybe the, maybe Guy Pearce teaming up with Jason Bourne just after the like the accident, you yeah, know, just after he wakes up. So it could be like, if like, uh, like you see like, have no like evil, see no evil, <laughs> yeah, <woman>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Team Wilder and Richard Pryor just like, try... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one saw it but can't remember it. The other one doesn't know his name. Uh, I've also
0: got Axel Foley from Beverly Hills Cop against Al Capone in The Untouchables. <laughs> <laughs> and Men in Black, literally anywhere in the Star Wars universe.
1: <laughs> Just Tommy Lee Jones in the cantina scene. Who shot first, Han or <laughs> Neither of them. Agent K blew. <laughs> Agent K
0: blew them both up. Um, like Louise said, a funny one last night when I mentioned the thing about um about the riddler, uh, like about the, about uh, Leonard and Jason Bourne, like Leonard from Memento and Jason Bourne, mm. like. Yeah, the bad guy could be like Gilderoy Lockhart just after they zap him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know what they do to do the memory thing and you just remember. It. Yeah.
1: Do you do you live here? <laughs> no. <laughs> <A> lovely place. <laughs> it's um, just like magic.
0: <laughs> so what I'd love to see though is like the the thing with um with Get Out with Simon
1: Pegg from Hot Fuzz. Yeah. I want to see him team up with Lakeith Stanfield because <laughs> I think they would be awesome together. Absolutely, yeah. Like Oh, no, that would, be, that would be brilliant with that. Let's jump into Chris's question. Um, we've got Chris and then one more question, and then we shall bring this thing home, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Phil. Um, <laughs> but um, Chris says, after watching the amazing Godzilla versus Kong what mythical monster would you like to see on the big screen? I'll be honest with you, Chris mate. I have not seen Godzilla versus Kong yet Neither because why. I'm going to go to the cinema probably next week or the week after and watch it yeah. because I really didn't want to do that one on video on demand at home. I know they give us the option through sky and you know, all that sort of uh, stuff. Um, they're about to empty the bin that we're in, Phil. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, I give away where the surprise right location it. was. <laughs> Coming, I mean, it's in a bin. The bin could be anywhere. Coming to you live from a <laughs> skip. Um it's like, it's like when yeah. Radio Air used to take out the remote radio station and do it from like the shopping centres and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's the same for us, except we're just in a bifferskip. We just somewhere.
0: got a laptop and an interface and a couple of mics, and we're just wandering about the streets. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wandering around the streets are Badly, well, like them guys from charities that come and try and pester you for, uh, <laughs> you know, for your money or your yeah. details or whatever. Uh, um, anyway, I haven't seen it. Either.
0: I, do you know what? I would. There's a lot of like Greek myths I'd quite like to see done, but Chimera, because I, I really want to see. I mean, obviously, like like Chimera was the, the virus from Mission Impossible Two. That's like the only time, because it's, it's half lion, half, goat. Yeah, with a snake's tail and breathes fire. And it's like, how? I'd love to see how they could do it. Like how, it, what the hell it would look like on screen? Yeah, what, and I mean? what they could
1: what they could make it with.
0: All, all the pictures of it, like even the, the ones from old Greek mythology, just look really sort of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like like well, there's this beast sitting in the mountains
1: somewhere, going, "Kill me!
0: I'm someone's failed experiment."
1: I I <laughs> would like to see, um. A Loch Ness monster movie, okay, yeah, but done really seriously, and sort of like uh, almost set in the quotation marks real world. And they're not, you know, you've got some scientists or some adventurers or whatever are up at the Loch Ness and they're doing, you know, some geographical survey or archaeological whatever. And you know that people don't believe in Loch Ness monster, and you know the real world equivalent. And then there's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, like sort of like what they did with the thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but you know, maybe don't make the monster a big giant serpenty whale, dragony lizard, yeah. scary snake thing. What the hell is that? It's a liopleurodon, Charlie. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, do do something <laughs> like like the thing. Do something creative with it. Maybe it takes on different forms, and that's why it can never be caught or or whatever. You know, maybe it's something that infects. But I don't know. Do do something based on that legend, but make it really sort of like the lock is the location. Like, you know, it's not going to go out and then start stompeding around downtown, whatever Scottish city's nearest to it. Yeah. Um, Sort of like, like Godzilla would, for argument's sake, or whatever. Um, But yeah, some, something like that that's almost bottle. Um, And sort of like maybe we don't see much of the creature and it's all sort of, like, you know, it's scarier because it's left to your imagination.
0: Could be like a Mystic River type thing as well, like, weird town sort of bottle movie set in this strange place with like,
1: uh. I don't remember a giant lizard turning up in that one. No, but like, it, like the, that as the sort of outside town story. Yeah. So like, like the, yeah. the, the, whatever town's nearest to it. Like, I don't know if you remember very specific and random reference, but there was an old episode of the, the saint with Roger Moore. And there was an episode of that set up on, on the lock. Um, and there's a castle, the ruins of a castle on the lock. And I always just love that setting. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, Put that in it somewhere. So, yeah, mate, that that would be mine. So, I suppose mine would be a bit more toned down, and the monster would be more in your mind than, like, you know, It. I don't even know if I'd do a reveal of it because you can never really live up to what somebody can come up with in their own mind. Yeah. Sort of thing. But, yeah. Uh, so, we've got one more question. Uh, the final question from Jake on Facebook. What is your favourite film from the
0: year you were born?
1: Batman Returns. Uh,
0: you're 93, aren't you? 92. 92. Uh, so, I'm 91. Mine, I think. Um, I was kind of torn with this one between Hot Shots and um, Terminator 2. Um, I'd I, go I, T2 of, of the two. Probably go T2. I think if, if I was stuck on a desert island, I'd pick Hot Shots.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's which one's got more rewatchability for you. Batman Returns, again, older, a special place for me. It was one of the, the many films that Dad let me watch when I shouldn't have watched it as a kid. Yeah. Um, And again, taped off ITV. But yeah. like, Even now, when I watch it on 4K... I still know the points in the film where the old ITV adverts used to kick in yeah. <laughs> and it still ever so slightly jars me yeah. that it doesn't go to a like 1995 advert for diet coke or whatever <laughs> can, yeah. like there was one bit in it where you know the bit just after penguins done the whole groping the woman putting a button on a chest and it cut um, and it was um like I can still hear it now like the announcer going batman returns will return after the news at yeah. 10 <laughs> like I still hear it when that scene yeah. comes on um, but there we go so that's and it from us
0: um, it is you...
1: yeah just before we wrap up that with Jake was Jake Talks Movies another mate of mine on YouTube uh, with a really great channel started a similar sort of time to me um, and you know we, we've had some some friendly discussions sort of on on Facebook and over on YouTube and he's he's a good lad as well so Jake Talks Movies Jake Blower if, you, if you're not already having a having a listen and a look at him go, go and say hello because he's a good lad um but yeah absolutely over over to you again phil we've made it we have made it that's uh 10 episodes i
0: hope you've really enjoyed episode 10 um we've really enjoyed making it we really enjoyed watching indiana jones and the last crusade and talking about it it's been really fun it's, it's been, been great good action-packed episode this one so um, we haven't got an idea of what we're going to do in episode 11 yet but we'll keep you posted on social media and uh thank you very much for listening remain indoors have a pleasant apocalypse and we'll see you in episode 11